You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 163 of the Big Show, some Enforcer Base Podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wild Wednesday, midweek hump day. Here we are. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, yeah, guys, it uh, didn't we just do this? I was saying to my wife today, I said, geez, it's Tuesday night. I've got to go record something. So as I sit here at 930 on a Tuesday night, um, here we go. I left my sticky note in the truck. I forgot all about it. But um, I think I have a few interesting topics today. Um, I want to get your guys' feedback on something as well. Uh, Again, uh, for the regular listeners, uh, you, this is, uh, you've already heard this, so fast forward about a minute and a half, but, uh, no, I was just, uh, I was just going to say we're back. Um, I know there's been numerous solo episodes here in a row and, and no, I'm not just turning this into a rant show and I will get back to the player interviews. Um, I just, uh, I, I think as, as I brought up before, I think we're going to wait until the, uh, the new year. Um, I've talked to some players getting a few things lined up and I think in 2022 we're going to start off fresh um and uh really bring some interviews for you guys I think you guys will really enjoy them a couple guys I've never done podcasts before um so hopefully I can get them on the line and really looking forward to talking to them um but um and and I brought it up a, a bunch of times and I know actually Joe brought it up on his podcast here um and it's true the um I will say that the the interview the interviews can get really uh, tiresome. 
Um, when, when the guy shows up on time, like when he's supposed to, and it goes, and everything goes well, they're, they're really fun and really rewarding. But, um, after you get ghosted a few times and chase guys around and stuff like that, it really takes the passion out of it, out of it for you. And, uh, at least for me, it does. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and like I said, had a few, not lately, well, I guess last month, the month before, but had a couple guys ghost me and stuff. And it's just, it gets to be too much. And, uh, I just needed a break from it really. And then plus with everything that was going on in my life personally, um, I just didn't really have time to set things up with people. So, uh, I know the last little while, um, cause the reason I bring it up is I've mentioned it a bunch of time, every episode here for the last little while about the solo stuff, but it got mentioned to me in a, in a couple of private messages. Um, you know, Hey, are you ever doing interviews again or whatever? And it's like, yeah, I'm going to be doing interviews again. Don't worry about that. But, um, just, just hang in there and give me some time guys. And, uh, we'll just get through the silly season here in December. And, uh, and like I said, in the new year, um, you know, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be back with some stuff. Also, I'm going to start doing a few more interviews with, um, maybe on the Sunday shows, um, just with fellow fight fans. Um, I talked to, uh, while older fried chicken fans, fried chicken board members will remember, uh, Chris Y2J. Um, I spoke with him on the phone actually last week and, uh, really looking forward to getting him on the show. Hopefully we can set up a time. Um, that actually might happen here in the next little, in the week or two. Um, I might have that interview, but I think going forward, um, I mean, with the, uh, and I enjoy doing the solo episodes they're, they're easy. You just hit record and, you know, do a list or, you know, find some articles or what have you. And you guys have been great sending articles. So, uh, you know, that makes life a lot easier as well. Um, like Mike today, well, I'm going to be doing an article that he posted on Twitter. I'm not saying he sent it to me specifically, but, uh, I'm certainly going to use it. Um, and anyway, uh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, he, uh, I don't know my program here kind of, kind of went goofy for a sec. Uh, hold on, I'm just writing that down. Um, yeah. So, uh, if anybody else has any articles, um, yeah, hockey fights at hotmail.com. Send them over to me. Send the link to me. I'd love to see them and, uh, they'll do it on the air here. Like I said, it, you know, it makes my job certainly a lot easier, but, uh, you know, you guys are, uh, you, I mean, you're the listeners, right? So you guys obviously have a, uh, pretty good sense of what, of what you want to hear. So yeah, definitely hit me up, but, uh, all right, how about we get into this, though? Uh, like I said, uh, these episodes, I don't want to keep, keep you guys too long. I always say that and it ends up being an hour. But, um, uh, well, before we get going, of course, I got I have to talk about the sponsors. I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. Of course, they're constantly spitting out new content. I mean, as there's games every week, right? So um, they always have something to talk about. But uh, definitely check that out. For my off-network friends, of course, you got Part-Time Ole down there in Florida, Five for Fighting podcast. I don't know. He's gallivanting all over the countryside. He's phoning from his... Uh, he's texting me today from his air, from the from the airplane ride back from Utah from hunting or uh, whatever. He was doing, running around in the woods anyway. And... Uh, yeah, so he, he, he'll be back here shortly, uh, you know, back from vacation. I don't know. That guy's whole life seems like a vacation, but you know, when, when he gets around to hit and record, I'm sure he'll, he'll be putting up an episode here later this week or something, you know, tell us all about his adventures, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, so we'll see what that's all about. I'm sure he'll have some East Coast Hockey League news, um, and all that. But, uh, in the meantime, definitely give his back catalog uh, a check, check it out. Uh, Yablonski, Rob Ray, Bialois, Segroy, they're all there. Great back catalog. Does a bang up job. As much as it pains me to say it, he does do a very good job. So, uh, but yeah, definitely. And he's also the creator of the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Should we be thanking him or hating him for that? I don't know. These times I've spent in these groups here lately, uh, yeah, we'll get into that shortly. But, uh, if you happen to be on Facebook, join the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Uh, lots of good pictures and videos getting put up. Um, obviously, a few few jokers in those groups, but uh, we try to weed them out as quickly as possible. And 
Yeah. But uh, definitely, definitely give it a check. Check it out. But uh, the Five for Fighting podcast, uh, Alec does a tremendous job. Give it a listen. And also, Broadway Joe Lazito. Give it a Lazito. Out in New York, the king of New York. He, his headquarters is the most famous arena in the world, MSG. That's where you're going to find him. That's where they put him. They put him at the epicenter. They, in the, at HQ, the king, king cheese, Joe Lazito. Like I said, he runs the Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islander based podcast. Although I think Joe's branching out not only to lacrosse with the riptide, but he might be, uh, there might be some ranger, ranger, uh, Ranger Blue there happening soon. I don't want to, you know, whatever. I think uh, Joe's really branching out. He wants to cover all of New York. And, uh, you know, um, you know, next thing you know, he, he's riding, he's he's rocking around Long Island and he's on, on furlough. All of a sudden, wham, he's, he's back at it at MSG. Just like that. Faster than you could say, wake me up before you go, go. Joe's there. If you ever have, if you need tickets, whether it to be a Billy Joel or a Broadway show or a production, Joe's the guy to talk to. I'm telling you. Uh, but he also, like I said, his podcasts are tremendous. He's got a great back catalog. He's talked to Fakoda, Gillies, Asham, Strudwig, on and on. You know, I, I'm just I'm I, I'm waiting for the uh, Troy Millette interview next. You know, but we'll see. He hasn't crossed that Ranger Bridge yet, but. I don't know. I think he's teetering on it. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, but definitely give his show a, uh, a listen. His latest episode is, uh, it's a solo episode and Joe's complaining about Christmas music and, and, and the such, and such things. Um, so it's a, it's a very grinchy effort on his part. And I, and I can, and I can wholeheartedly appreciate that. So give it a listen. But no, Joe's got a great back catalog and he, uh, He's he's busy at work like we all are right now, and he's uh, so he's he's doing his best to uh, to bring you guys content as we all are. But uh, it can be a grind for sure. And then, like I said, when you have guys no show and everything else, it gets a little frustrating. But uh, Joel will bounce back, and he'll ha- he'll have some stuff for you guys in no time. But uh, definitely check it out, Joe Lazito. Give it a Lazito. All right, guys, uh, what are we going to talk about today here on this abbreviated version of the Fourth Line Voice? Um, well, we have agents uh, talking too much on Twitter. Um, Gordy Howe as the best fighter. Uh, an interesting conversation I had. Tony Twist or Wendell Clark? Um, I'll let you guys decide that one. I'd like to hear your feedback on that. And uh, another top 10 list. But... Um, what should we do first? Yeah, well, we'll do this. Uh, we'll do this agent shit talking thing. Um, oh yes, I also want to uh, briefly talk about Austin Matthews. I'll do this agent thing first. Um, if everybody remembers, it was it last year or was it the year before? I think it was last year. Um, Alan Walsh, the player agent. Uh, came out on Twitter during the playoffs with the Golden Knights and did the and did the whole how they're screwing over Mark Andre Fleury and everything else um, with his little meme with the stick going through the heart and all this shit and right during the playoffs and everything too, um, you know and you know everyone saw wh- where did Fleury end up this you know after that despite loving Las Vegas and everything else well he's he's back at it and on Twitter here. Before he blocked me for pointing this out, okay, I gotta dig. I gotta dig up the tweet here, but uh, uh, okay, Oilers defenseman Willie William Lagason had his best game in the NHL Friday night. What happens? Dave Tibbet never told him he's out tonight. Didn't tell him to skate with the scratches. He finds out just before the game. It's kind of it's this kind of disrespect from a coach that destroys teams. Oh yeah, well. So, and then he, oh, he, pardon me, he, he, had a, he has another one. William has done everything asked of him by this organization. Players getting scratched and have, have no issues with that. All we ask is to be treated with respect, and Dave Tibbet has shown he doesn't care to do that with his players. Oh, yeah. 
So like I said, so Big Mouth is back at it. Of course, it later comes out that uh, they were they were waiting to see uh, Darnell Nurse's status. It was a game day or game time decision. But it was also pointed out that assistant coach Jim Playfair did talk to the William kid and told him he wasn't playing. So I don't know where out. So I'm sure the kid was probably venting in a text message in the locker room or whatever to his agent. Like they do. There's no whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But then said agent, Big Mouth Allen here, um, decides to go flap his fucking lips on social media. And it's like, okay. And then it comes, and like I said, then it comes out as reported by the Edmonton News later that Playfair talked to him. Well, you don't have any follow-up tweets saying, oh, sorry, we were wrong or whatever. No, nothing. Radio silence. And Walsh, Big Mouth, he has a podcast. I'm sure he'll be on there whining and complaining and whatever. And it's amazing reading this, it, like the feedback on the, or the, what's the, the replies. Of course, the typical hockey Twitter idiots get in there and they don't fucking know their ass from a hole in the ground. But of course, Jason Strudwig, the former player, I unfortunately probably own the NHL record for most time healthy scratched. The news has been delivered to me in many different ways, including a couple by a trainer. Even that didn't destroy the team. Yeah, so basically Strudwick's telling this guy, shut up with the dramatics. Uh, but Strudwick's too nice to say that, but I'm not. But um, yeah, douche. It's like you got Flurry basically. You don't think Flurry got run out? Like that didn't. Uh, I'm just saying, like, did they, you think that helped his staying in Las Vegas? And now here's this his client here, this young kid who's a, a fringe NHL player. You got your agent flapping flapping his lips on social media, causing issues uh, with Tibbet and them. Um, who was a former player, and as someone pointed out, nobody no, there's been no ex players or anything bitching about him ever. He's got a fairly apparently a very good reputation with the players. But of course, like I said, Alan Big Mouth here. What's going to happen to this kid? I'm interested to see going forward what happens. I bet you it's uh, back to the bus leagues for you, kid. Your uh, your agent's got a big mouth. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. Does that get held against him? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's a business and it's about winning and performing. So, I mean, if they need him. I mean, they'll use them and stuff, but I mean, if it's going to be between the end of the day, if it's between him and somebody else, they'll probably, you know, they'll probably go with the one that's less of a fucking nuisance and, uh, he can thank his agent for that. So no, it's just amazing to me that, and, and like I said, all these people fucking chime in on Twitter, have no idea what's going on, but oh, they got to flap their lips. Like they're in the know. Well, they heard, they know, they read. Oh, if Alan said it, it must be true. Oh, if it's on Twitter, it must be true. Like, you know, never, you know, we won't wait for after the game when when the coach actually addresses this or a media member can talk to him about it. No, no, we'll just jump right to conclusions, right? It's like anything on, on social media. Guilty before, but then you have to prove your innocence. Like, you morons. Oh, it's just so typical. But, but Austin Matthews, I was saying that before. Of course, he gets into the big wrestling match there with what Dubois from Winnipeg and all oh, social media is just up in arms. It's just terrible that this could happen. And Dubois is such a goon. Oh, oh yeah, this the wrestling and oh, it was a minor penalties. And I mean, I, if you go and watch, it's uh, you know, no one's noticing Matthews actually holding a stick. But ah, you know, whatever. What do I? And like I said, I don't give a shit. I don't like about either of these players, these teams, or whatever. But I just find it amusing. It's, it's it's both funny and sad all at the same time. Again, like, I know every, all these different fans, they like to point out different fan bases. Or, oh, if it's Bruins, they're just like this. Or typical Flyer fan or typical Leaf fan. And You know, you're all clowns. All of you. You're all clowns. I don't have a dog in this fight, so I'll just, I just make fun of all of you. But I will say... I think just due to the team's popularity, um, there definitely seems to be more Leaf fans out on social media, just because they're probably the most popular team in the league. Um, the amount of crying that these douchebags do, like Spezza needs the guy, gets six games. They're cr- tonight, they're crying about Tom Wilson. 
Wilson hasn't even done anything, but they're like, oh, but if I've been Wilson, I don't know. You know, like, he need him. You know, so it doesn't matter. Like, if they'd given him one game, people would be crying that it wasn't, wasn't enough. Oh, he's getting star treatment. If it's six games, oh, now it's too much. Like, you can't win with you guys. And then, of course, all these writers are crying that, oh, because they, they have the Matthews incident. Oh, this is just typical of the NHL. It is? Oh, yeah. It's typical of the NHL, is it? I don't know. doesn't seem to happen in the games, the very few games that I'm watching. When I have to watch it, there's nobody getting involved in anything. But I laugh, oh, is this is how they... And then, of course, the Keith, the Leaf coach. Oh, shockingly, it's the Leaf coach that's crying about his player getting mugged. Gee, who would have thought? Um, oh, well, Matthews hasn't gotten a penalty all year. Oh, okay, so he hasn't drawn penalties. That's We're upset about that. You know, I'm sure there's a stat for that, drawn calls, because that's what everybody wants to see, people drawing calls. Um, and then, oh, well, this is what happens when you don't have, when you have unskilled players mugging superstars. Oh, okay. The league is so friggin' cookie cutter now. I'm like, Matthews will score his 40 and 50 goals. I don't know. Ovechkin doesn't seem to have a problem scoring. Crosby, McDavid, they all seem to score. Matthews is scoring. Where, Where is all this? They're getting mugged. It's like all the drama of it. Like you just have to exaggerate to try to make your... When you have to exaggerate the bullshit to make your point, who are you kidding? Most nights, this pond hockey bullshit, there's nobody doing anything. But oh, this one once this one time, oh, we got to replay this video over and over again of Du Bois and Matthews rolling around on the ice. Like somehow this is just regular... This happens all, this happens all the time. No, it doesn't. What are you talking about? Of course, all the Leaf fans. Oh, yeah, it's a regular occurrence. And Oh, no, it's not. You know. Oh, and then this, the refs don't like us. Us. It, all it is is the us and we crowd crying. Oh, the refs don't know their job. And they should just fire them all. What would it matter? Okay, so they fire them all. Bring up the American League refs. In, in two games, you'll be crying about them. People have been crying about referees since the beginning of sport. I'm sure at the Colosseum they cried about referees. Back at that Roman times. Oh, feed the lions. I don't think there's any referees. You know what I'm saying. Since the beginning of the NHL, people have cried about the refs. And every diehard fan, doesn't matter what... It's interesting. Every fan base says the refs are against them. Okay, well then, who are they against then, apparently? Because every fan cries about it. Every fan will cry that their team is getting screwed. Oh, these refs, they just have it in for trouble. They want Tampa to win. They want this team to win. And Oh, the golden child and all this. Okay, like, yeah, sure. I will say this. Austin Matthews, when that scrum is going, you, dude, you're 6'3", 230. Show some balls already. I have never seen a more gutless player in my life. And I mean, whatever, Leaf fans, listen to this. You can fucking yell and bitch to me all you want. Does he have any jam whatsoever? All I see him is just acting like it's a big joke. And Like last year during the playoffs, oh, everything was funny in scrums. He's got a big stupid smile on his face and somehow, and mouthing off, like somehow he's above it all. Then with this thing with Dubois swinging you around, what are you, and you're just standing, oh, what are you, who, me? Trying to draw a call. It's not the point. Show some friggin' grit, man. Seriously. You're such a pussy. It's unbelievable. Like, you're a big dude. Fight. Like, I'm sure you're strong as a friggin' ox. Dude, fight back. Like, really? Like, you get in scrums, it's a big joke. You got a smile and you're laughing and face washing and you're losing, but everything's just funny. I don't care, bro. Attitude, oh, okay. You ever look at Crosby? Like, you can say whatever you want about Crosby. Look at Crosby. Look at the intensity on his face. The game could be in the middle of friggin' January, a nothing game. 
But and he gets into a scrum. He ain't laughing. Is McDavid laughing? Do they just let themselves get flung around and they stand there with their arms out and get knocked around and looking at the ref and no? Like somebody sit this kid down and tell him to grow a pair. Now I'm not saying to, like next game he's got to go drop the gloves and go toe to toe at center ice, but maybe now and again it would help show something. And all I read is you goofy Leaf fans. Oh, this is future captain material. No, it's not. Just think back to the Leafs captains with Gilmore and Sandine and all these guys. Did they sit there and smile in scrums and let themselves get thrown around? No. It's embarrassing. He's got like this martyr thing going or something. Like, I don't know. But it's like... Oh, he's not getting any calls. Who gives a shit if he's not getting any calls? You know what the visual looks like? He looks like a giant bitch. I have nothing against Austin, Matt. I really could give a shit about any of this. I'm just telling you from an outsider, when I see these all these incidents that I see him involved in, he does nothing. Just gets shoved around like he's five foot eight and 180 pounds. And the dude's like the biggest guy on the ice. Like, show something, man. Jesus. Anyway, I was saying earlier, um, I had a discussion with a guy. Well, then it ended up, he ended up talking stupid. And like, as most Facebook uh, discussions go, uh, it, can't, it can't be civil. All of a sudden, he's got to start name calling and being an idiot. But um, it was initially brought up. It was an interesting. I had put up a picture of Joey Coaster with the blades, and somebody had commented that how oh, him and Clark were the, uh, like the two toughest guys or whatever. Somebody mentioned Twist, and of course this guy, oh, Twist is what? He's nothing compared to these two. Oh, here we go. Okay. So, in terms of fighting. So, my contention was in talking with him, and I like Wendell Clark's one of my favorite all-time players. I've, Like I said, I like all the guys that were involved in this conversation, Coaster, Twist, and Clark. Um, but, all my, my, my point on, of, the, of the discussion was, like Wendell Clark wasn't even in the same wasn't the same level of fighter Tony Twist was. Like Twist was like a super heavyweight fighter. Wendell fought Probert and then he fought Marty and he did Cordic and he he did well. Um and then oh well this guy brings up the KOs and TKOs and Wendell had way more punching power than Tony Twist had. Okay, all right. Sure he did. Oh well but Wendell Clark had all these not KOs of and then he lists like Mike Lawler and Ed Beers and Ed Hospodar and you know and oh yeah a, a real like I told him oh, a, a real murderer's row there you got of I said well Twist never fought anybody like Ed Beers so I guess he didn't have an opportunity to knock him out well how many knockouts did Twist have I'm like well so I said he broke Ray's face knocked out Peluso dropped Link Gates oh Link Gates that was in the IHL like somehow that matters. I'm like, it matters where Link Gates plays pro. I'm like, oh yeah, because it, it didn't happen in the NHL, so it doesn't count. Yeah, because you know, Link Gates is no Mike Lawler or Ed Beers. You're like, really, dude? Like, I know you're trying to make your big case for Wendell here, but it's like, eh. and he goes, well, Wendell could throw with both hands and had better technique. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize toughness was based on style points. Um, much like Craig Berube famously said when somebody... Or he goes, oh, Twist was just big and threw right hands and ragdoll people. And I said, well, he didn't need it. Wendell could throw both hands. I'm like, well, Twist didn't need a left. You know, it's like what, what, like what Craig Berube said the one time when somebody asked him, hey, Chief, why don't you ever throw any left hands? He said, I never needed to. That's what Twist never needed to. So, okay, so Wendell could throw with both. All right. You know, but... um and again, I love Wendell Clark, uh, but he is not in the fighter category that Tony Twist was. And then, all, of course, then with any time Twist gets brought up, oh, it's the roids. Oh, are we talking before the roids or after? Okay, well, when did he start taking roids? Oh, I'm just saying. Well, that's not an answer. Uh, everybody likes to claim that Twist is on steroids. All right. 
did he ever admit that he was on steroids? Did a positive test ever come out? Like, okay, that, and do you really, I'll put it this way. Do you really think he was the only, if he was really on him, do you think he was the only one? Mm, yeah, I don't think so. But uh, regardless, um, okay, well, when did he start taking steroids then? If that's If this is your big argument, when can you point to it? And then it just becomes, yeah, okay, whatever, man. I guess he's your cousin. Oh, all right, whatever. So then it just got stupid. But um, I will say with the Wendell argument, like you said, he brought up incidents of Cam Neely and Lou Francis Getty. And I'm like, well, Wendell basically jumped guys, jumped them. Like Neely had one glove still on. Francis Getty didn't even know he was in a fight. But you want to call these TKOs? It's like, mm, all right. Like, I'm not... Go, it's all on YouTube, folks. Go look. I mean, if you want to call them knockouts, well, TKOs, nobody was knocked out, but all right. Um, I said it'd be interesting. How good of a fighter would Wendell have been if he actually had squared off with people? Like, I don't mean that as a slight or a diss, but really, like, and hey, and I'm all for, hey, it's a fight. Get your gloves out. You're going to stand around opening your lunchbox and get what you get. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just simply saying, you know, when you get the jump on a lot of guys and you're, you've landed three before they even have their gloves off, it's like, well, all right. You know, again, I don't have an issue with it. I'm just simply pointing out that this is what's happening on some of these videos. Um, so your, 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 uh, your qualifications for a, a TKO are getting pretty loose to try to make your argument here. Now, again, Wendell was a great fighter, tenacious, uh, tenacious, would fight anybody, fearless, all that. I'm not, this, see, this is the difference. I don't have to put one down to make the, to, it's not even winning an argument. It's not the win. To make my point, I don't need to shit on Wendell as a fighter. Wendell was a great fighter. I'm just simply pointing out that, well, Twist didn't have as many knockouts. Well, Twist was fighting a whole different level of fighter than Wendell Clark was most of the time. But Wendell stepped up and fought some heavyweights, now and again, without a doubt. But you go and look at Twist's card, it's all the heavyweights. He didn't have any Ed Beers on there. Or, you know, Dirk Grams. Hey, Dirk Grams, a gritty dude, whatever, Cam Neely, guys like that, power forwards. Like Those are the guys Wendell should have been fighting, without a doubt. But I'm just saying, Twist wasn't. He was fighting... You know, whatever Larue and Ewan and and Grimson and Probert and all these guys, McKenzie. You're trouble with McKenzie. Oh, he got him in the end, but but yeah, see, and Link Gates and stuff like that. That's who he was fighting. So it's a different level. Like, well, he had more knockouts. Well, that's like I went like you know, this guy was over at the elementary school knocking people out. Well, this guy was over at the high school fighting people. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's that's not a very good example because that's sort of, that's shortchanging Wendell. I don't mean to shortchange Wendell. After I just said, I'm not trying to put a guy down. I'm not trying to put him down. I'm just simply saying the level of competition was different. And I don't know, I've never heard, I mean, outside of like Leaf Homers and whatever, a, a rational hockey fight fan, I have never heard any of them ever put Wendell Clark ahead of Tony Twist. Um, now, if you want to, whatever. But I'll leave that up to you guys. Let me know what you... Th- oh, and then the other one was with Koser. He's like, well, Koser beat Twist. And then after that, Twist avoided Koser like the plague. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, well, first of all, Koser and Twist were friends. So they wouldn't have actively seeked each other out anyway. The fight in the NHL with Koser was was a twist third fight in the league. So Coaster's trying to give his friend an NHL shot because he is an established fighter at this point. So he's going to give twist an opportunity. If you go and watch the fights, Coaster punches him, what, seven times in the, in the body shots. So he clearly wasn't going for the huge knockouts. Now, if you want to, oh, he won. Okay. Then Coaster won, whatever his, he landed six body shots. Okay. Big win, big win. But then to think the twist avoided Coaster like the plague, I quote. Okay. Like, see why, like, that's the one thing I've always said with social media or these groups and discussions. You can always, you can have a good, honest discussion with the guy. And we were putting video back and forth and we were going, 
we're having some, I was, I was enjoying the conversation and we were to kind of taking some funny digs at each other, but then you just got to go stupid and then you start talking stupid. Like avoided him like the plague. Like, yeah, the guy that fought Probert five times and Mackenzie multiple times and you and multiple times and all these, all this and loved to fight, but from all accounts loved it. But you somehow think he was scared of Joe Koser. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, really? Like, why? Why? And then, of course, then you got to start using stupid words and mouthing off. And it's like, okay, we're done talking. You know, but I'm sure he's sitting there. I won that battle behind his keyboard. Oh, you did. Yeah, you showed me. But I'm interested to hear what you guys think. You listeners out there, just drop me a line. Maybe do it in the show post or... Just, I'm just curious to what what you guys think. Clark or Twist? I'm just, am I up my ass? Maybe I am. I'm not saying I'm always right. I'm, to me, it's not even. They're not even the same. I don't know, same league. That's not. It's just a different, a different size category, different weight class. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not a slight to either guy. But I, I just don't see it. But whatever. That's just me. Um, but let me know what you think. Um, oh, and then, of course, on the Bob, oh, the Bob Probert fan page. Oh, this, this one. Um, this could actually be... Well, this could be a myth versus reality. I mean, I guess we could do that. I haven't done those for a while. But this could definitely be the myth versus reality. Is the, is the Gordie Howe was this great fighter. The myth of Gordy. Um, we all grew up with it. Um, our parents, our grandparents. Gordy was the best and oh, the best fighter. No one wanted to fight him. Everyone was scared of him and on and on. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I, we, we grew up hearing these stories. And I mean, if you type in Gordy Howe fights on Google, just type in Gordy Howe fights. The first, I think, dozen articles come up. Oh, is him just destroying Lou Fontanato and on and on and on. But if you actually go back and read actual accounts like on newspapers.com or what have you, if you go back and read actual account, not from the Detroit paper, actual accounts of the fight, it was a lot more, it was a lot closer than what goes on. But oh, Gordy made his reputation by ending Fontanato and oh yeah, on and on. For the longest time, Fontenotto claimed that he actually won the fight. So, now again, that's Lou saying that. But I mean, oh, but did you see the pictures? Did you see him? Well, he had a broken nose. I mean, there's been lots of guys that break their nose in fights. That, you know. But somehow that just indicates how vicious Gordy was. Well, okay. Like, Mel Engelstad had his nose broken 14 times. So, I mean, you know, whatever. I... I what does that mean in a fight? You know, no, I'm not sitting here saying that Gordy didn't win the fight because by all accounts, you know, by the accounts he did, but he took some shots too. Like Lou landed some shots too. It wasn't this one-sided ass kicking that everybody loves to throw around. I, it reminds me of like the Larry Robinson, Dave Schultz thing. Everyone talks like it's this grandiose beating. Well, Schultz steps on a stick and Robinson yanks him down and hits him about three times and they're down. But oh, but all of a sudden it's fucking Larry started the lawnmower on him and ended the hammer. Okay. But I'm like, there's video of that, yet people still believe this bullshit. And like I said, that's where the myth and the reality thing comes in. Like you type it in and I have all these guys when I said like, Gordy Howe averaged a fight a year. Like I look, okay, he played 2,450 games, 1,767 in the NHL, 157 NHL playoff games. 419 WHA games, 78-8 WHA playoffs, 32 seasons, 22 confirmed fights, two Gordial hat-tricks. He recorded one major in 419 WHA games. Oh, yeah, but remember, he was 50, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, he was. But he was dirty as shit. Like, I laugh, all you clowns that love to yell about the code and respect, but, oh, you just, you just... Eat up the Gordy Howe shit. Oh, if you saw someone doing what Gordy did, you'd be crying in hysterics 
about what player safety and everything else, but oh, well, and it's Gordy, it's a legend. Like somebody brought it up. I think it's when a superstar is a decent fighter, it, his all of a sudden his fighting ability gets greatly exaggerated. First of all, and they're like, well, no one wanted to fight Gordy. That's always the good one. No one ever wanted to fight him. Oh, okay. Um, well, by all accounts, Fern, Fern Flamin did multiple times tried to fight Howe and Howe wouldn't fight him. It was actually, that was in the newspaper.com article that I read too. And there was an interview with Flamin who said the same thing. You know, and, uh. So, but all of a sudden, of course, he, oh, he's full of shit. Oh, yeah, but, you know, but everybody's saying how great Gordy was. They're not, though. Okay. Like I said, there's got to be some perspective in the, in the discussion. Um, there's one guy wrote, that wrote a, a really good piece on the 22 How fights and broke down some of the, the information that, that he got from his investigating. And most of these fights were nothing, bunch of nothing, give or take and body slam down. There was no Gordy ending anybody. But again, this oversized reputation of Gordy Al fighting. And oh, you could stick Gordy in any era and he'd handle himself. Oh, sure he would. Okay, man. Like, just stop. I always say, oh, no one wanted to fight him because they were scared of him. It's like, well, Bob Probert had 300 fights, you know. I, I, I think Probert was probably a little scarier than how it was, but he had no problem fighting a fight. It, now, granted, it was a different era, and they didn't fight like they do now. Or, well, now, they don't fight at all. Not, no, it's exactly like it is now. But uh, they didn't have, like, real designated... There, there's a couple guys, Flamin, maybe, you know, or whatever, Reg Fleming, guys like that. Um... But even then, it wasn't like they were one shift goons. Um, you know, there were six teams, so you had to, you know, you had to play. So yes, they didn't fight as much as they obviously when it became more '60s, '70s um, in vogue to have enforcers and that type of thing. So there just wasn't, yeah, Gordy wasn't going to have a lot of fighting majors just because. They just didn't really do that. There was a lot more stick swinging, elbows, stuff like that. Um, just real dirty shit um, rather than fists. Um, but um, I don't know. It, and then, like I said, so this guy brings that up. So I, I had mentioned how all these things that, you know, how it's just a myth. And like, if you actually do any reason. And of course, what planet are you on? And all the, oh, you don't get it and all that. No, I'm the only one that does get it. I'm like, I'm actually the only one I can guarantee out of all these comments in this group that are just shitting on me. I can guarantee I'm the only one that's done any research into this. Uh, the rest of you are just regurgitating what old Pappy told you while he's sat cross-legged around the transistor radio at Christmas. Like, let me regale you kids with stories of Gordy. You know, and again, this isn't to knock the legacy of Gordy Howe or anything like that. I just think it's like anything with him, Chara, Larry Robinson, these star superstar players that could fight not bad. They're all of a sudden it just becomes multiplied because they're great players. That all oh, they're great players, they're great fighters too. And it's like, no, they're not. But you know, and it's just um, you know, and I mean, you know, but Saint Bobby Orr, you could put. Or in there as well. Now, could he fight? Yeah, all right. Was he feared by anyone that could fight? No. Just like how and these guys, like, were were like enforcers or fighters scared of these people? No. But because they didn't fight them, it, it some of these fans just get this inkling that. What's well, because they're scared of them. They knew better to not mess with them. Oh, oh yeah. No, they they'd much rather take their chances and fight uh, Terry O'Reilly than Bobby Orr. Like, really, like okay, it's just stuff like that. And it, like how Grant definitely a different era. Um, but was Gordy a great fighter? No. Well, I don't want to. Like I can't say he wasn't. There, there's not a lot of video, but if you go by and read the articles that are out there, 
that are supplied by old fight fans. You go back on the old, see, this is where the old fight forms are missed. This was a big topic on a few of the fight forms and people would bring up old articles and hockey digest, the hockey news, newspapers.com. They'd find from different art from different uh, newspapers and it was, and it was tremendous. And the, the information was excellent and you could really do some research and dig, and, and dig out the truth or as much of the truth that you could find without video, obviously. And, um, but yeah, but when you do that and then you start and you make, I'm, I'm not making claims. I researched it and I'm giving you what my findings were from accounts of people that were there, but right away it's, Oh yeah. So what's your issue with Mr. Hockey? Guess you don't like him. Hater. What does that mean? Well, I don't have a problem with Gordy. Howe. what are you, what are you talking about? Just because I haven't bought into grandpappy's myth. And I did some research right away. Oh, well, you're a hater. Okay, so seeking the truth makes you a hater all of a sudden. Yeah, all right. You know, and I, I so I, I don't know. I guess w- when people are faced with, you know, this hero worship, then all of a sudden there's, they're given, there's chinks in the armor. The initial reaction is to fight back, I guess, but. That's fine. These people, these in this friggin' fan group, can call me whatever they want, and I mean, I did the research; they didn't, so you know, whatever. But there we go. That was a, a myth versus reality that I didn't know I was doing. But uh, yeah, Gordy Howe's toughness. It wasn't a myth. He was tough, without a doubt, but far more dirty than tough. And from all accounts and reading it and stuff, it's sort of. Mark Messi, there's a perfect example. Maybe, you know, um, extremely dirty, lousy fighter. But everybody, oh, you didn't mess with Mark. Well, yeah, because he cross-checked you in the face. You didn't mess with Gordy. Yeah, because he probably elbow you in the face or stick his teeth, knock your teeth out with a cross-check. He wouldn't do it with a fight, you know. So, yeah, that's why he didn't mess with him. Didn't want to stick in the face. But anyway... Myth versus reality, Gordy Howe. Discuss amongst yourselves. But here, let's get to that list here. Hold on, I got the power of editing here. I got to hit pause, then we'll go from there. Here it is. Uh, I had to dig it up. It was. Uh, I want to thank uh, Michael for uh, on Twitter for retweeting this uh, or attaching me to it. Um, it was an article, and I can remember this article. I had this magazine. It was the um, ninety-one, ninety-two hockey yearbook from the Sporting News. Um, this article is written by Jeff Gordon. I guess it'd be like going into the 92-93 season. It was like uh, in the summer. But uh, goons e- throwing even more weight around. Yeah. An alarming trend is developing among enforcers, says Brian Burke, the director of hockey operations for the Canucks. The size component of these players has gone upward, Burke said. A guy who weighs 210 is not a heavyweight anymore. Gino Ojek, 6'4", 230. The weight class has moved up. Ty Domi, 200-pounder, as tough as he is, he will be out of that weight class. Given the increased demands on sheer size, what are the most menacing enforcers in hockey today? The top 10. So this is the top 10, uh, according to... Although there's some comments from guys, but uh, yeah, Jeff Gordon, like I said, the uh, sporting news. Uh, Bob Probert, Detroit Red Wing player like Craig Cox, Ewan Crowder have made their careers by briefly rocking Probert, the most feared man in hockey. What makes Probert especially effective is that he's skilled enough to play full-time. Bob Probert plays first, Red Wings coach Brian Murray said. He is able to do the rest of these things if he feels he has to protect his teammates. Number two, the bomber, Baumgartner. He's huge and willing and has lots of flowing blonde hair, just like Marty McSorley. On a good team, this guy would be a folk hero. As Lazito pointed out, eh, he was a folk hero, though, even on the Islanders. But, uh, yeah, the bomber. I love Ken Bomber, and he's tremendous. Number three, Dave Brown, Philadelphia. Back in Philadelphia after an unhappy stay at Edmonton, Brown still makes Burke's personal top three. But St. Louis Blues general manager Ron Caron isn't impressed. A guy like Brown does nothing. And I keep the word nothing, Caron says. He doesn't fight. Nobody wants to fight him. Well, that's sort of... Wouldn't that be sort of doing his job then? I don't know. That uh, sour grapes. Sounds like sour grapes to me. Um, I would say Brown was probably a very effective enforcer. Um, number four, Troy Crowder. 
By buckling Probert in a key early encounter last season, the quiet warrior moved into title contention. He followed that by scoring a string of impressive fight victories. I've been hit before, but that guy hits hard, said San Jose's Cox, who engaged Crowder last season while with Vancouver. Nobody knows if he can throw a left, if he can fight a lefty or throw a left. His fights never last long enough. Um, yeah, the whole Troy Crowder thing, there, that was a myth versus reality that I brought up. Um, a few episodes ago that I won't, you know, I won't go too much into. If you can go back and check out the back catalog and listen to it, but uh, the guy was great for about five fights. But of course, at this point, this is just right in the middle, uh, you know, of what they thought would be his career, right? So I'm, of course, I have hindsight on my side, but yeah. Anyway, number five, terrible Tim Hunter. Calgary Flames. A softball-sized mound of scar tissue that passes for Hunter's nose tells the story. This guy sticks his face in everybody's business. He was limited to 34 games last season, and the Flames suffered for it. Yeah, man. Hunter was um, Hunter was one of those guys that... Um, and I've, I've said this about a bunch of different players over the time. I've come to appreciate now, at the time, I was never a Hunter fan. When I was first getting fight... Well, I mean, he was on he was at the Flames. So I see he was on Hockey Night in Canada. Every night. I saw Hunter all the time. But when you get a fight tape and you watch it, it was like, eh, you know, but, you know, fairly mid-sized guy. I mean, uh, I don't know how big Hunter would be, 6'2", maybe, 6'1", 6'2". I, I know he was a big early kind of like weight training guy. It sounds so funny to say that now, but back then he was a real workout guy, which was kind of a rare thing. Um, and you could definitely tell in his fights he was like a grappler wrestler guy, but... He always did really, in the Battle of Alberta, you know, it was always him and Semenko. And you go back and watch those fights, Hunter handled, handled Semenko pretty easy. I don't want to say easy, but he handled Semenko. And, um, yeah, Hunter was really, was it was good. I mean, I, you know, was he the most exciting guy? Uh, no, but um, did it for a long time and, and, and wasn't a bad player either. Um, he's a guy I definitely want to get on the show. Uh, number six, Darren Kimball. There you go. Moved up the rankings after clubbing Crowder while with the Nordiques. He beat the snot out of him, Burke observed. Um, yeah, I mean, I was always a big Darren Kimball fan. Uh, yeah, that was the thing. Crowder was cruising, right? And that was right before the big rematch in January with Probert and everybody was getting hyped for it. And Kimball kind of, uh, you know, was sort of wrecked the party, I guess, by getting Crowder early. But, uh, we were all pumped because we were big Kimball fans, right? So we were actually really pumped to see it. But yeah, if you go back and if you have an opportunity, go on go on YouTube, type in Darren Kimball. We'll watch those fights. You'll be entertained for hours. Dude was just wide open and took a few, and uh, but you know gave a few, and he was an exciting fighter, man. He was he was awesome. I love Darren Kimball. Uh, number seven, Joe Coaster, New York Rangers. Through battered hands, has has made him a suspect in the eyes of some scouts. He's still one of the hockey's. He's still one of hockey's most dangerous men. Joey has a big punch, a KO punch, Cox said. He brings him from Florida and knocks you into next Thursday. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. He always had the right, you know. And, um, you know, I've uh, not been critical of Cox. I'm a big Coaster fan, but I've been critical of him in the all-time discussion. Uh, I said his fight card. To me in Detroit, when he first started this fight, he was definitely he was definitely Robin to Probert's Batman. And, that, and that's fine. I get it, but... His fight card's littered with a lot of, eh, you know. Um, once he got to New York, though, I, I think he became better, actually. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, he could put you out without a doubt. Um, number eight, John Cordick, Washington Capitals. The Capitals forgave the numerous team violations to keep him around for one reason. He enabled the Caps to run roughshod over the Patrick division while he was in the lineup. He is one of hockey's pure goons, but bouts with alcoholism threaten his career. Yeah, that, this was the last stand for Cordic, really. Um, and he went to Quebec briefly. Was he in Quebec after Washington? Yeah, briefly. And uh, but then he was out of hockey, and then of course he passed away in the summer there. And uh, twenty-seven when he died, it was really sad. You know, I was a big Cordic fan. Mean, left-handed, um, was a far better player than he was ever given an opportunity to show. But like you said, he had his issues and, and all that. But uh, yeah, it's too bad because it would have been interesting if he had kind of stayed, if he could have gotten clean and, uh, you know, found the right spot and was given a chance. It would have been interesting. Number nine, Marty McSorley. Wayne Gretzky's longtime bodyguard has everybody's respect to the National Hockey League. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, that, that sort of changed after the Brashear thing. But I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because... 
Um, you know, Marty had, like I pointed out to somebody, because as soon as you mentioned McSorley, it's like anything, they bring up the Bradshaw thing. Yeah, and you know, that's, that's, a, Marty forever t- tarnished his legacy because of that. But I also point out, well, he played 900 games before that too. Um, not that he didn't have incidents before with the stick and being dirty, but he was also enforcing a lot of times. And, um, yeah, and if, and he would go over to that line, to that line and he'd cross it to make his point. And that was enforcing. I mean, you can't do that anymore, and the league is showing for it. But um, at the time, yeah, he didn't. Uh, was Marty the best fighter? No. Was he the best enforcer? It could have been. Yeah. There's because I always said there's two different. That's two different things. And Marty was really good at it. Number ten, Gino Ojic. He stepped in and made made such ruffians as Cox and Stern expendable in Vancouver, where rugged players are cherished. He had six fights with Brown, Burke said. They each won two, and the other two were draws. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, Gino, man. He there. You talk about folk here on Vancouver. You know, again, Burry's bodyguard. He, he did a great job. Um, made sure no one touched him. And uh, he, he'd go over the line, too, a few times. Um, again, I, you know, to be completely honest, I'm, I was never the big Gino, biggest Gino fan. Um, I, I think there's... Uh, I shouldn't say that. I, I'm surprised he never fought Probert, actually. That's, that was the one I was surprised with. Um, although he fought Brown, fought everybody, you know. Um, yeah, after he, he left Vancouver, he really faded out. I don't know if his passion sort of just declined. And But, I mean, at the, especially back then, though, I mean, these guys would have 20, 30 fights a year. But they were also doing that junior before they got to the NHL. So, I mean, they did that for two or three years in junior. So a lot of these guys already, like, that's the one thing I, was, I brought up. I can't remember who I was talking to, but that's the one difference um, now. Um, these guys coming up, I always use the term battle-tested. I mean, these guys that were coming up had 50, 60, 70 career fights in junior, let alone when then, and then they get to the minors and they do it 20, 25 more times in a couple seasons. So these guys have 100 and some fights under their belt before they even get to the NHL. You know, and uh, he just thinks Sean Thornton, how many of those fights did he have? You know, stuff like that. Ty Domi, how many fights did he have in Peterborough? You know, and then he gets to the American League and he's in Binghamton and whatever for a couple of years, probably, you know, 15, 20 fights down there. You know, then he gets to the NHL and he's the all-time NHL fight leader, whatever he had, 300 and some. Yeah, but he's at four-something after you add junior and the minors to it, right? It's, so it's like, you know, which these kids today are, you know, not even... I mean, they don't even have double digits in fights. Um, you know, and that's the rules. It's not their fault, but that's just the rules and the way the game is now. But my point being is, um, yeah, like with Ojik, um, yeah, he had those years in Vancouver. And then I'm sure injuries and everything caught up to him. But yeah, I, I just I just think of like Philly and the Islanders and Montreal. He just sort of faded away, um, you know. But yeah, for the for that time in Vancouver, what a run. Yeah, and he was... Uh, he was definitely the man. He's loved him still to this day. He's loved in Vancouver. So that was a really interesting list. And I, it was funny when he when he posted that uh, like he posted. It, I was reading the. Uh, he didn't just like write it out. He showed the picture of the article. Uh, as soon as he had that article up there, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember having that magazine. Yeah, I must have read that article a thousand times back in the day. Because like I said in the early night with no internet and stuff, um, when you would find it a, a fight article or whatever you like. You, you like cherish that shit, right? Because it was so rare. But uh, yeah, it was, so it was funny to see that article after all these years. But uh, yeah, there you go. The top 10 of uh, 91, 92. Um, although, like, was that the top 10 according to Burke? Or I think it was because of the writer, but he just had Burke sound bites in there. Not that I'm thinking about it as I'm just sort of leaning back in the chair. But uh, but anyway, guys, that's the, like I said, I'll keep this short. And I'm just under an hour. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to... Uh, Throw some throw some audio uh, information at you, and hopefully you guys enjoyed this. And uh, like I said, I'm sure you guys are uh, regular listeners are sick of hearing my just my voice uh, these last couple weeks. But uh, bear with, and uh, we'll we'll be changing that shortly. But uh, in the meantime, if you happen to be on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, on Facebook, give me a follow. Um, and if you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,600 fights. All leagues, junior to the NHL, minors, what have you. Um, I've got everything sorted. So if you just go go to my page and then do the little search thing, type in NHL, OHL, AHL, whatever you want. Boom, they'll all come up. Check it out. Just put some old school 
Uh, I've been putting some old school fights up the last couple nights. Gillies and uh, 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 Paradise, Bob Paradise, and uh, a really good Danny Gear, Stan Jonathan fight. Um, ben Wilson, Tiger Williams. Yeah, I'm just kind of going. It's an old '70s disc. I was going through. Yeah, pretty. Uh, some of the foot, some of it's a little grainy, but some of it's like really like the Wilson stuff. Like, just think that's like 1978, right? Like it's uh, it's like almost 45 years old. Crystal clear, looks really good, really uh, really clean footage. Um, so definitely give that a look. But um, yeah, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Also, if you could uh, rate and review my show on whatever platform you're listening to, it helps me out in the searches and that type of thing. And I hate to be this guy, but I always say, I always have to say it. Could you doubt? Well, it's too late now. You've listened, but I was good. I should have said that at the start, but in the future, if you're going to come back, I hope you do. Uh, could you download my episodes? Don't stream them. I say it in all seriousness. I should get paid by the download. So it help it helps me out. Um, but it also helps with the tracking of the show and the, and just, you can see the peak times and listens and from where and demographics and all that stuff. So it doesn't help when you're streaming. It doesn't work that way. And I need you to download it. But the biggest thing is I need to get paid. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'd really appreciate it. In all seriousness, I'd really appreciate that if you guys could do that. Um, oh, and one last thing. I was going to throw this out there. If uh, anybody listening, um, I've said it a bunch of times before. If, uh, you know, with Christmas coming up and whatever, if you're looking for a, a hockey picture or what have you to maybe get framed or something, or you want to put a fight picture or a, a, whatever a picture of Jeremy Roenick scoring the last goal at the Chicago Stadium. I have that picture. Um, yeah, I, again, drop me a line. I can. I'll send. I have thousands of pictures. Um, I can. Uh, I can send you over. A, I'll email you over a high resolution uh, uh, pick, and you can just, like I said, print go go to Kinkos or Staples or Walmart or wherever and get it printed out. Frame it. Looks awesome on the wall. So yeah, if anybody listening out there is looking for any pictures. Uh, let me know. I can hook you up. But uh, all right, guys, I'll get out of here. Thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 